Hello, people, and thank you for joining me and my friends on the Game Files podcast. My name is Matthew, and I will be hosting discussions on all things dice throwing, button mashing, page turning, and screen viewing from the past, present, and future of those things that occupy our spare time. Welcome back to the Game Files podcast. I am Matthew, and today we have a great show. But before we get started with that, I would like to introduce you to my guests. We have the ever-present Radis. Hello. Good to be here. Good to be here. And I why I said that twice. It's okay. <laughs> and and putting his weird hat on, Mad Marty. Great to be here as well. Good evening, gentlemen. And a returning guest, Jason. Hello, Internet. So today, uh, this has been a topic that we have kind of floated around for a while, but we're going to just dive right into it. And that is basically, for all intents and purposes, uh, the the history of where we got our our geek on. Uh, that sounds kind of weird, I guess, but um, basically comic shops, hobby shops, stores, uh, things that largely do not exist anymore, at least not in their uh, original form. And just those places where, you know, we, we spent a lot of time looking and hoping and praying that we would have the resources to get the things that we wanted and probably most likely didn't. At least I didn't. We'll go, go ahead and uh, kind of get this started. You know, we have a lot of shops here uh, in, we'll call it the Rockford area. And I'm sure that's where a lot of this is going to be uh, uh, centered around because that would make sense because we're all from here. Um, so if you know this area, uh, hopefully you can kind of reminisce on these places. Um, but if not, just kind of listen and think about the places that you went to because we all had our start somewhere. So go ahead and get this started with uh, the, the first basic question. Um, what and, and we'll center it around the comic industry to start, and we'll just kind of go from there. But um, as far as hobby shops go, like what are what are some of your well, we'll say what's your first real experience at one, and we'll start with the ever present Radis because he's he always here. Yeah. Um, well, first for that, it's kind of a common theme to this podcast when we start talking about that. It's it's TSY tomorrow's yesterday, uh, top cut now. Um, that was probably the biggest and best hobby shop for you know anything comics um when we were younger we weren't in really into board games so that was mostly a comic book shop um a lot of back issues a lot of new issues um the shop was it's a straight it was a strange little shop looking back as a, a younger child because now board games that are the standard you know the euro game and all that they were really my first experience on it but i always remember walking through there going why would you waste shelf space on games that are in foreign languages that I don't even understand, that don't even look fun, you know, doesn't have the risk cover. And now some of those games are like top 100 on Board Game Geek and all that, but TSY had them first because they had all that space for import. But, you know, just going there, going through the racks of comics, and then being younger, not really being into all of the, like, Warhammer and all of that, they, you know, those were some of my earliest memories of, like, minis and figs you know, mostly pewter. So you just kind of walk through those aisles and just kind of wonder, you know, how do you play with this? You know, what kind of game is this for? Um, It's just a lot there as a sensory overload as a kid. Um, And then as you get older, my uh, geeking shifted more into the media play for the the early geek movies uh, and comic books even there. And that also was a lot closer to where I lived in Rockford. So Spent a lot of time there when they first opened. Just also amazed because they had all of the, you know, bringing in the Japanese comics and animes and 
you know, VHS that you didn't walk into video outlet that we've talked about. And they weren't in there, but now you go into media play and there it is, you know, $60 animated movie that, you know, you've never heard of, never seen, no one else knows anything about, but it's $60 and what is it? And, you know, it's uh, Ninja Scroll or it's Akira, you know, stuff like that, that now being 40 and looking back, it's like, wow, you know, I had access to this. I just didn't realize it because this is, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old. You didn't, didn't have a whole lot of time to get into those or even, you know, any other place to, to pull from it because it was still just kind of filtering into Rockford. So Cool. Mad Marty, where'd you get your start, brother? Well, uh, back in the day, with comics especially, that was always more my brother's gig, especially in the early, early years. I mean, this may come as a surprise to you, Matthew, but uh, a lot of the early comic books that my brother obtained, and I did read a lot of, well, looked at the pictures, but uh, he always used to get them from uh, the local Minuteman right at the end of the street. Uh, just, uh, you know, that's where he got his Wolverine issues, his X-Men issues. They actually had a fairly decent amount of uh, comics that came in that store. He got his Captain America issue 350. That was a real big one back in the day. That's where he collected his Inferno. Uh, Tomorrow's Yesterday came more into play when I was probably 6th, 7th grade. And even then, it was still my brother's gig, and that's when we got got into the Executioner song, Age of Apocalypse. Um, I don't mean to bust this topic open already, but I'm just going to toss it out there. You know, for me, the biggest excitement in terms of getting my quote-unquote geek on was going to Toys R Us and go, going for the Nintendo games. I mean, back then, you know, they had their... Uh, Let's not, let's not jump into it too soon. we got a whole <laughs> Toys R Us plethora to explore, yeah. Jeff. Uh, okay, okay. Well, did, right, no, go ahead. Go ahead. That was rude. Uh, no, no, I, I understand. This, this, okay, guys. Don't mean to shift gears like this really quick, but I want you guys each chime in based on your experience, okay? You saw that wall of NES games, and they all had the little slips of paper that you had took with and he took it to the front, and they had that little back room right at the front of the store. It was like the equivalent of a kid buying a car back in the day. <laughs> yep, pretty much. So cost I mean, as much of it as a car. We're there. So go ahead. We don't have to like deep dive into Toys R Us yet, but like that was one of the things I always wanted to talk about was you went to Toys R Us, like you knew you were just in for something magical. It was like getting to go to Chuck E. Cheese or the arcade. It was just this experience that you don't get to do every day, right, as a kid. Talking about video games specifically, like, I used to think that I would watch, like, the Nickelodeon toy run, uh, the Toys R Us toy run they would do every year where one lucky son-of-a-bitch kid got to run through Toys R Us and pile as much shit into a car as they could. I was always, like, yelling at the TV, like, what are you doing going down the toy aisles trying to grab, like, the biggest box you can? Go to the video games and start grabbing handfuls of paper slips <laughs> you're gonna walk out with hundreds of video games like i would get irritated and then to your point like when you bought a video game there you take this ticket so first off it was a massive wall of video games it was like they would take the covers of the nintendo games and cut them out and put them up on display and then there would be these pull slips and you take this pull slip up to the register and then you got to go to what my friends and i called alcatraz at the front of the store by the exit <laughs> was like this cage that there was one employee that worked in. It's like a 10-foot by 10-foot 
barred cage. It literally looks like a jail cell with a window slot. You take your receipt over, and then they slide a game through that little barred window. I thought it was an awesome experience. I loved it. Yep. Yeah, because you could walk up to that, and you'd be just looking through the gate, looking at all the video games behind them. Just, you know, yeah, that was just... And it was envy. If you were checking out and you saw somebody walking over to the cage, you were like, damn, he's getting a video game, Lucky Punk. Yep. Oh, yeah. So is, is that your experience there, uh, Jason? <laughs> uh, no, that's just that, that's just a little bit of the Toys R Us discussion. Um, oh, yeah. For me, like if, if we're talking comic books, similar to Jeff, it, for me, it started at the grocery store. Going with my parents to the grocery store, whether it be like Eagle Country Market or Logley, and going over to the magazine rack and finding different comic books, and occasionally going up to like the local Minute Mart, like Jeff said. What was cool about that was they always had at the gas stations, the Minute Marts, they actually had that like rotating metal comic book rack, like yep. that tall cylinder rack. Uh, and you'd have to spin it to find the issues you wanted. I always thought that was really cool. Uh, but then if we're talking about like hobby and game stores, uh, it started for me at Royal Hobby. So that was the one I used to go to to start. My dad was really big into RC car racing when I was growing up. So that's where you would get RC cars at. Uh, like not the ones you go buy off the shelf at a big box store, but like the actual racing ones that you could build and modify. And you would go in there and they would have a wall of RC cars, planes, would have a wall of board games and war games and then a huge space dedicated to model trains and i never got into model trains but i always liked the terrain i would go just look at that and think about turning it into a fantasy terrainscape like for like dungeons and dragons and i always thought that was so cool so from there i would go in and buy like the little pewter minis that they would have and i'd buy the testers model paint and i got into trying to paint them and it was just you know, in fifth grade, you're not going to be good at painting minis. Like they would just <laughs> yeah. come out awful, but I enjoyed it. And I remember what I thought was really cool is this one time I found this mini of like this female sorceress that had like this really low cut top and you could see like cleavage. And as, you know, a 10 year old kid, I thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like I would show it off to my friends when they came over, like, you got to see this thing I got. Like, I just thought that was super cool. And then from there, transitioned into tomorrow's yesterday which is to me still the greatest store of all time uh i mean just talk about a cool name tomorrow is yesterday it's great all the things that Ray has talked about i would go there because mom would get her hair cut at this salon that was across the street in that neighborhood and she would take my brother and i and we'd get our haircuts first and we'd have to wait for her so she'd let us go across the street and check out the store and two things that really always caught my attention there that I had never seen anywhere else was wall of old comic books. So that was the first place where I found you could buy like old comic books. And when I say old, like old issues of X-Men or Batman or Superman, obviously they'd have like yeah. the back stock, but then they'd actually have a wall of like collective edition ones. Like I bought Wolverine number one there at one point and I remember I saw X-Men number two there at one point for a couple hundred bucks and tried to talk my parents into buying it for me, and they said no. <laughs> so there was the old comic books, and then that was the first place where I saw games that weren't Risk, that weren't Monopoly, right. you know? And a lot of those uh, board games and, and box-style games that we later got into, that's where I got my first copy of Hero Quest and my first copy of Spelljammer at, and those were two games that I fell in love with at a young age. 
Cool. So, so my introduction is far less exciting than all three of yours. Um, again, the, the, the theme lived in a 10 house neighborhood by the river. I played with sticks and sand. That's what we did. Um, however, um, we had the, again, the Minuteman where, you know, they had the, the rolling rack of comics and I, I would pick them up. I'd look at the pictures. I'd never get to buy one, but it was like, you know, for that two, three minutes where that we're in there getting bread and whatever. Um, it was just an exciting time. Um, it wasn't until, uh, actually Clark's comics opened up, uh, that I really had like an opportunity to go into a legit, like hobby shop or comic shop. Um, and that primarily happened because, uh, we were neighbors to the owners, uh, at one time in our lives. So, um, the, so the Clarks, they, we grew up, we grew up next to them for, well, for me, it was my first four years of life. Um, the family was a little bit more. Um, so we had a, we had a relationship with them. So we'd go in there and my mom would talk to the owners and then we would, you know, or it's not, we, I would go around and look at comics for like a half an hour. So that was the, the cool thing there. It wasn't until I was a full blown teenager, um, that I went to Toys R Us that I went to, uh, T is Y actually the first time I went with to T is Y was with Radis and, uh, Marty. Uh, I had a $15 gift card that, uh, somebody at my church gave me for my birthday and, you know, I had, I, and I had this thing for almost two years, which I'm surprised they still accepted it when we went there, but that was my first introduction there. And I think I was, I mean, almost 16, probably, I was probably 15, uh, when I, when I went there, cause Radis is a hair older than, than the rest of us. Um, but yeah, that, that was my introduction to it. And, and again, walking into oh, both of them, it was like, it was like, I felt like I was home because I, w- I was always into like science fiction and you know, uh, for books and for, you know, TV and whatever, but it wasn't until I actually walked in there where I'm like, wow, this stuff is, that's what all of this is. And this is, this is home to me. And I, I spent so much time and money mostly in Clark's in the beginning, but then of course, later on it transitioned to other places, especially when they closed, which was a sad, sad day. Uh, but yeah, that was, uh, my introduction, um, into the kind of the hobby shop, uh, aspect of it. So I know that we're going to kind of have a lot of overlap here. We've already had some, um, but one of the things I'd like to talk about, and this is going to be primarily what all of these things are going to be, is that stores that are no longer with us, may they rest in peace. Um, the ones that we, you know, obviously we, you know, Toys R Us, right? That's national. They're, they're gone. Hopefully they come back in some form, but we'll see what happens. But there's a lot of, a lot of stores over the years that, that we've, got our stories in that are gone now. So, um, Radis, would you like to take us through a store mm. that is no longer with us that well, you love, like that said, you love to go would, to? Yeah, it would be media play. Uh, cause it was geek of everything. Yeah. I don't remember a lot of board games, but I do remember that was the first store that I really had any kind of introduction into CCG with vampire, the masquerade, the original release of that. But uh, you go through there, and they had a D&D section. They had all just all kinds of books in there. Um, didn't really buy a lot of the role-playing books there. I actually bought more at like uh, the, the hobby store that Jason was talking about is where I bought my first uh, second edition Star Wars book from there. But just everything else in there, movie posters, you know, looking on your screen, the, the Star Wars movie posters, the ones that are in my hall, they just had tons of them. Like you could go into other stores, and they might have 15 or 20. But you go in media play and it was hundreds that you could go through from anything obscure to mainstream and then just t-shirts 
Um, and then they had their video game section up front. It was the only time I've ever got to play a Jaguar 64. They had a demo version up there with their uh, Aliens video game and that. And just being, you know, 12 or 13, if I could go in there, I would have stayed in there just as long as an arcade just to play that one console because that's the only place I could get to ever play it. But then you had all the movies and all the other video games. They were a little pricey, um, even for the 80s. You know, like I said earlier, $60 VHS. You know, when you could go still the cave art and, you know, they go, oh, here's a you know, Looney Tunes VHS for, you know, 10 bucks, 15 bucks. But, you know, you go into media play and you could drop 100 bucks, you know, in the mid 80s, which is the equivalent of, you know, several hundred dollars now in just looking at what you'd be buying. Um, but that sort of just walking into that sort of just had that weird, like, I don't know, he, you get a certain sensation when you walk into a mall. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna go here, here. But when you walked into media play, it just kind of had that, like Jason said about Toys R Us, just that awe moment. There's just so much, and of course, it's in the name media, but it was just everything from sci-fi to it. You know, uh, they had the comic section. I want to say it was up front, right next to all the CCG cards. Um, but again, I was getting my fixes in other places, so that's not the direct reason why I went there. But man, I just the movies, the movie posters, the video games, the T-shirts. Um, the stuff that uh, local shops like Slackers or um, GameStop now with all their tchotchkes and all of that. That's what Media Play had. That was They were the first order to do that. You could walk in and just find random obscure stuff. It's like, oh, here's a, a thermostat or a thermos with Alien on it. And then right next to it, it's a little Mario fig. And then, you know, go down further and there's a Legend of Zelda pad of paper or whatever. And it's just rows and rows of just weird you know, stuff that you think, okay, I'm going to go buy a pad of paper. Then you walk to media place, like, oh, here's a pad of paper with Metroid on it or, you know, whatever sci-fi thing you want to look or vampires. It's just a really great store. But Yeah, and and, and they were great, too. I mean, because we've kind of left out the music aspect of it, too. I oh, mean, yeah. I mean, it was music, movies, books, video games. I mean, it was the whole shebang, yeah. and, and I wouldn't go in there. Unless I was very specifically going for a for one thing, I was gonna that was gonna be an hour and a half to two hour trip every time I went. Oh in. yeah, that place was great. Yeah. Yep. Oh, I visit and we go to TSY, and it's you know could be a forty five minute walking around looking the same thing six seven times. You can walk into media play and walk through that for an hour and not have walked any aisle more than once. The, just looking at all the stuff. With listenership, just so the, just for those that are unfamiliar. How would you compare the size of the store versus uh, other stores out there? If you had to make comparisons, uh, it'd be the typical size of a Sears single level Sears. Yeah, I would so. say so. Yeah, and, yeah. and and but but with, I remember they had the bookcases on the walls that actually you had to have a ladder to get to some of the the books on the top shelves, yeah. which was kind of awesome. Yeah, well, and I think part of that's what made Media Place so cool. Is this isn't like some little hobby shop or comic book store that you're going into and you hear all this stuff. And if you're not familiar with it, you're like, man, that place had to just be crammed full of shit. Well, this was a big man, box store. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah. this was literally like walking into a Walmart or a Kmart uh, or, you know, a, a Sears. Like you said, this was a massive store. I mean, you walk in and they've got an entire section of movies, an entire section of DVDs. At the time, it was probably the largest bookstore in the area. Like it, it, yeah. we didn't, there wasn't a Barnes and Nobles at the time. I mean, this, this had a, a book section as big as Barnes and Nobles. And then I think the thing people forget is they had an entire section that just sold musical instruments. You could get oh, yeah. guitars, right. keyboards, yeah, drums. Yep. I mean, anything there. 
Uh, they had an entire room full of just action figures. I mean, it was just, it was a crazy store. And like you said, it was a store that I would go into probably a couple times a month just to walk around. Like, yeah. Yeah. no intention to buy anything, just to walk around and see what I found. I mean, I did probably yep. buy a lot of CDs there just because they had a big selection and it was either there or Best Buy. I would yeah. go in there all the time and just browse. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Media Play, uh, it was really big in the early 90s, right around the time when a lot of us were getting our driver's license uh, for the first time. And it was right there. there was a lot of food joints right in the area, so it was very common stop. You know, you get something to eat and, you know, you want something to want something to do, throw media play and, you know, dump 20 to 50 bucks, depending if we had a job oh, at the yeah. time. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Radisson had mentioned this earlier, but, you know, I was, I was a very early uh, uh, collector of anime, those VHS animes, and they used to be in these extra plastic casings, unlike any other movies in the store, because they yeah. were more probably getting stolen. But that's where I got my Vampire Hunters D's, my Ninja Scrolls, um, my Dominion Tank Police. You know, I didn't participate in your anime podcast. One of the reasons for that was I was so old school that I haven't watched anything more recent than, say, like uh, early 2000s. You know, and uh, I remember it was the first time I ever heard a cartoon swear. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I kind of had a rule because the, the, uh, the animes were so expensive. I wouldn't buy one unless it was an hour, at least an hour long. But uh, yeah, going back to that, you know, Media Play and Suncoast was another store that was owned by the same company, and uh, you know, there was that little triangle. You know, it's like uh, Media Play, you know, Funko Land, which ultimately became GameStop as well. Then he had Babbage's, and then he had like Suncoast. He had he had these little beacons around town of. Uh, different uh geek uh geek for lack of better terminology geek stores yeah that was yep. that was one of the team years and i know matthew you want to talk about some more uh department stores and stuff so well some of that too but i mean we'll 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 get to me so you, you okay. kind you kind of touched on one i was wondering if you wanted to, to pop that one out uh funko land because i know i know you worked at its later iteration but well funko land when it, when it was first conceived it, one of their big pushes was the fact that you could uh, that you could uh, uh, play games there, you know, to test them out. That was a relatively new concept at the time, and it was my first real experience with uh, buying or owning pre-owned games. We also had another store called the Nintendo Exchange in town. That was more that was a privately held. Uh, that was a private store. Uh, it wasn't part of any chains or anything like that. But that was also my first exposure to Legacy Kane series <laughs> was uh, picking that up over at uh, the Nintendo Exchange. And unfortunately, you know, GameStop kind of went on that big kick where they kind of absorbed everybody. Uh, this was probably in the early, mid-2000s. Uh, I was a mall employee at the time, and, and I joined uh, the game store when they were still Babbage's. They were bought out by GameStop a couple of years later. And I don't want to get into too far of a tangent, but some of the guests that you've had here in the past you know, like Ryan and a few others, you know, we're all former GameStop employees. Yeah. So we have a very extensive knowledge of their inner workings. Yeah. Uh, but that's another story for another day. But uh, yeah, Funko, 
I liked it, but it still didn't have the same kind of zing that, say, Media Play had. Oh, you're no, that's no doubt, no doubt. But yeah, one of the things I loved about one of the things I loved about Funko Land, I want to throw this in there, is that pit was that newspaper. That they had. (laughs) We were all going there. Yeah. So as soon as you walked in, they're like, "Here you go," and it just had hundreds of video games with their value on it. So I was like, "Oh, that's really cool game." The trade, the trade in, and the sale dollar game. What? Yeah. The two dollar game. What's that? It had every NES game listed on it. Yeah. So if you needed, like, if you needed an NES catalog, there it was. You just go to Funko Land. Yep. Yep. Oh, it was so cool. That I mean, that to me, that was the cool part about it. And then, again, with the trading in, trading in of games. I mean, it, you'd be able to actually get something out back then anyways. You'd get something out of it, you know. Uh, the games were not that much cheaper back, you know, 25, 30 years ago. They just weren't. No. Um, I mean, maybe $10 cheaper, right? Um, so you'd buy a $50 game, you know, you play the bejesus out of it, whatever, and then trade it in, and instead of getting, what, $3 that they give you now or whatever they try to, you know, you, they, I mean, they'd give you 15 bucks or something and, and a little bit more if it was store credit. So it was just, you know, uh, especially back then, there a lot of games didn't have the replay value that some of them do now or DLC or that kind of thing. So, you know, you'd play a game, you'd beat it two or three times. Unless it was just that great of a game, you didn't always keep them. And it, it was just a nice place to be able to trade some stuff in. So, yeah, I, I, I dug Funko Land. Funko Land, like way back in the day, so this is when we were much younger, it was in Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis were still relatively new. So NES 8-bit was still like the big player. Yeah. You could go in and trade Nintendo games, and if it was a used game for a used game trade, it was almost always two for one, and as long as they didn't have like an abundance of copies of the game you were trading in. But you could usually trade in like two old shitty games if they had a, a decent newer used game there, you could usually pick it up. Yeah, I mean, so it, it was. As long as you didn't walk in with it. that duck hunt. It can't be something they would have like a massive yeah. amount of. But right. you know, if it was two random crappy games, yeah, you could usually get a newer game for it. Fortunately, yeah. that was back before the uh, the yearly Madden's and wrestling games that came out. Oh my gosh! Whew. Oh yeah. That's a whole nother podcast well, even, for another day. <laughs> well, even like when in '95 when Madden came out, they still they you know they would take them just because you know they weren't that overrun by them. Um, but no, yeah, Funko Land was another one that could spend a ton of time in it. I also found though that I think a lot of my friends and I think a lot of you guys did the same thing. It's like when trading video games or whatever. It's like ah, oh, this game is fantastic, and you'd be like. Yeah, you know, that's like a $3 game. That's a horrible, crappy game. They won't even give you 3 bucks for it. Yeah, there was a couple. And then people were like, I'm a Sega. And I was like, yeah, I've looked at their Sega list. There's like six games on it. <laughs> you know, yeah. so. You know, I, I feel safe saying this to you guys now, okay, because it's a couple decades later. Uh-oh. But, uh, you know, one guilty thing that I did a couple times at, uh, you know, GameStop back in the day, somebody would bring in uh, their... Watch the incriminating evidence. Dude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> they just fuck me. Okay. Yep. So, they, they, okay. So, yeah, anyways, uh, one time they brought, and this was just to kind of scope the time frame. This was probably in the age that, uh, right right before PlayStation 2. So, you know, the 16-bit era is already kind of coming down to a sunset. And uh, somebody brought in uh, Super Castlevania once. Super, so, Super Castlevania 4, which I was a huge fan of for the SNES. Oh, yeah. 
And then another one that they brought in, I thought this, I, I had to get my hands on it right away, Super Mario RPG. And I think we were going to give them, I want to say, between the two of them put together, um, 25 bucks. Or I think it was even less than that. I think it was 15 to 25 bucks. I was like, dude, I'll give you 40 for both right now. <laughs> Catch money. You know? And uh, I, I do admit I did pad my, pad my collection a little bit sometimes when I uh, just kind of quietly, you know, <laughs> That's but, awful. Uh, and now we know why GameStop gives you three dollars for that brand spanking new game. It's because of employees like that. Good job, Marty. <laughs> Ruined it for all of us. Like I said, we had a whole crew work at that place. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so, uh, so, but I mean, we weren't we weren't crooked or anything like that. I mean, yeah, that was definitely shady. But you know, we were like robbing the place. I mean, actually, GameStop was actually a pretty fun place to work. It lets you check out a game uh, that came into you know, quote unquote, learn about it, <laughs> make it, make you a better salesperson on it. And, uh, so, you know, you, you check out a game for a night, take it home, play it, bring it back the next day, maybe a day or two later. And, you know, it's like a free rental. And the other nice thing about working GameStop is they would only get as many games as they get, as they had reserves for. So if I knew that there was a title coming out that, uh, I thought was a little bit more obscure, you know, I'd make sure I'd toss in a uh, reservation for that. I think I did it with Sukoden uh, 2. Uh, that was a very obscure game and made sure that it, we our store got a couple extra copies of that. You know, there's ways to kind of manipulate the inventory that way. But uh, just good memories. We'll, we'll move on. Sh- sh- good shady memories. Mm. <laughs> yeah, so, stock. Yeah. So, so Jason, stock, why, why, why is that stock 400 yet? <laughs> 42 cents a share. <laughs> so, oh, so, dude. So, I, I I blame GameStop for tracing back to the original uh, uh, stock market crash of the late two thousands. <laughs> Great. <laughs> or, or recession, yeah. But we'll talk about that in other podcasts. We'll no, we won't. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jason, any uh, any stores that you uh, uh, knew and loved that uh, you want to talk about? Uh, so we've talked about tomorrow's yesterday, but obviously still there but it's also not so you know, they changed the original owner sold the business back and i think it was 2008 or is 11 12 years ago and they were going to close it and luckily uh somebody that had loved the store like we had stepped in and bought it to keep it open but due to some license agreements they could not keep the name and it's now top cut comics instead of tomorrow's yesterday and you know things have changed in the store i still love the store it's still my favorite store the staff i think is still outstanding i stopped in there today on my way home from work um i was picking up a pizza by there and i was like i'll swing in for a couple minutes and had a 15 minute conversation with one of the people behind the counter about dungeons and dragons there was a guy in there today he was looking to get into it he'd never played it before and her and I both talked to the guy for like 15 minutes and pointed him in. So I love that aspect of the store, but um, it's still different. They, it seems like every time you go in there, they're moving things around. They're getting rid of things, bringing new things in. You talked about Warhammer. That used to be a huge Warhammer store. Now they don't carry any. Yep. Um, some of that could be with competition in town is now kind of taken the market on that. But Oh, it just it doesn't necessarily have that exact same feel it had 15 years ago. And I, I messaged you guys today, and I was appalled because as I was walking in, the one thing that they'd always kept was that 
old Spider-Man sign outside. So they had that like marquee sign that kind of hung over the door. That was like a picture of like the 60s Spider-Man. And it said comics, fantasy, baseball cards inside. And then when I went in today, it was gone. Actually, I like, I was like, I told the clerk, I was like, what the hell happened to the Spider-Man sign? She's like, yeah, we took it down. It's in the back. I go, put it back up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should offer to buy um, it if you can. Oh, uh, there's that. And then uh, the only other store that I can really think of that I do miss, and I do not remember the name of it, is uh, there used to be a store in town that just specialized in 80s and 90s action figures. It was actually like it was a small boutique store. It was down. It was it, it was towards like downtown, downtown, kind of off like uh, State and First Street in that area. And it was a little boutique store. It was only around for a couple of years. It was, oh, it was man, great. I wouldn't have any idea. Now, like, I, I, you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even know it was there unless you knew it was there. Like you wouldn't be driving down the street and be like, oh, there's an action figure store. Like you had to know about it. And I only knew about it because I had a friend who was wanting to get rid of some action figures and he'd heard from somebody that this guy bought action figures and we looked it up and we went and checked it out one day and I ended up selling some action figures there and bought some like old GI Joes there at one point. It was just, that was it was a special boutique store, and that's what he sold. He sold He Man, Transformers, GI Joe, all the action figures that we grew up in the eighties and nineties. I'm not even aware of a store like that in the downtown area. Closest thing that I could think of is to- Toad Hall. I mean, I believe you, but the the only store that I can really think of is Toad Hall, you know, over on Broadway. But I know it's not where you're talking about. Oh, he was only open for maybe two or three years, and this would have been mid to late 90s so it was that was the time that i was hmm. orbiting rockford i never actually went into rockford all the places that i went to was like right outside of it yeah that's (laughs) cherry valley state yeah (laughs) pretty pretty much i mean for for, it was just it was just a neat store and he would have you'd go in and you'd have these uh glass curio cabinets with uh gi joe's on display and then he'd have bagged ones and he'd have some that were in original packaging uh, he, they'd have a wall of He-Man. He'd have a wall of Star Wars. I mean, it was just—it was just a really cool little experience. Cool. So, um, for me, as far as the the stores that no longer exist today, um, and, and this one's a little bit more recent, was actually Kmart. So, uh, when I was uh, when I was about fifteen, I want to say I was fifteen. Uh, my dad, uh, I had a conversation with my dad and he decided that it would be a good idea for me to buy, for me to buy a computer. Right. So, um, I've talked about in previous podcasts where I'd only get $5 for Christmas and, and, uh, any other holiday and that the rest of the money my dad would put into a savings account. Right. Well, uh, came time where my dad thought it would be a good idea for me to get a computer. So we were able to access that savings account and I bought uh, the first computer that ever existed in my family's home, and uh, I mean it was a yep. pe- it was a pizza box, 100 megahertz processor, four speed CD ROM. That thing was amazing. It was a beast at the time, and it was a beast at the time because I remember Marty coming over and being like, "Wow, like this is really fast." Yeah, you had that. Uh, you had that submarine. Uh, that submarine. Uh, uh, like video based game or something like that. It was the first time that I actually saw like uh, actual video on a computer screen like that. It was, uh, and it was called silent something or another. 
I can't silent remember. Silent running. No, no, no. Silent scope. Silent scope. I think is what it, I think is what it was. Um, but silent scope's the sniper game. Is it silent uh, scope? Uh, uh, well, re- uh, yeah. Regardless, it was a submarine yeah. game, and it was only and it was only a demo. And uh, and then there was the other one, the Journeyman Project, where it came yeah, with the, the original one of that. Um, but anyway, so you know, I wanted to get some computer games, right? I had a, you know, a, a pretty close to top of the line computer at the time, which again, it's funny thinking of it now. Uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, but but I mean, I had limited resources. I didn't get much for an allowance of any kind of thing. I didn't. I didn't make money mowing lawns because my parents didn't pay me for that. And, you know, it just, it's not complaints. It's just, it is what it is. But I remember going to uh, the local Kmart, which even, even back in those days, that was like a treat because we would go, we'd almost make a day of it. We'd go there, we'd get some clothes. uh, We'd get uh, lunch in their little cafe with, they had, you know, I'm going to say it was tasty fried chicken, but I probably wouldn't have known better because, you know, that's just, (laughs) that was just my life. Uh, but they had, uh, I went there and they had this bargain bin, uh, and they had a bunch of different, uh, video game or, uh, computer games in it. And I was looking through it and I'm like, Oh, you know, this is cool. This is cool. I ended up picking up, uh, a game called alien logic, uh, sky realms of Jeroon, which I still, to this day, I, I want to play it again because I just, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I also picked up, Oh man, I can't even remember now. I picked up like this encyclopedia, that was on sale and some other things, but it had video on it. So you'd click on it. And I mean, I used that for reports, uh, for school for years cause it was a legit encyclopedia. Um, but like, that's where I would get my He-Man figures. That's where I would get my GI Joes. That's where I would, you know, anything that I purchased that that's where I got it. So my toys, the, the video games, everything like that is where I got it from. So I, I know that Kmart's, you know, it's whatever, it's a big retailer was a big retailer, but like, it, it that is where I you know that's where I got my geek on like that's where I was able to get the stuff. So speaking of uh, my first job, what's that? Mart was my first job. Was it really? That's well, hilarious. Well, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, it wasn't. <laughs> it's Kmart. It's it's Kmart. Blue Night Special. Yeah. Speaking of those little cafeterias, man. Um, I remember. Uh, getting blue moon ice cream at one of those they had those big old tubs of ice cream like baston robin style at the front of the store so it was blue moon ice cream or bubblegum ice cream Ugh. over at the local union hall yep the union hall that, that was yeah. another one of them that i was gonna t- that i've talked about in the past yeah it's uh you know i had an uncle that worked there and that was actually where i got my first nintendo from oh wow it was union hall uh that was the first time i was exposed to employee discounts uh because uh Back in those days, this can sound really funny. My allowance was literally one dollar a week. Why is that funny? That was probably seventy-five yeah. cents more than I got. Yeah, well, hey. <laughs> but uh, I remember I get like a small injection either through birthdays or Christmas or report cards every now and then. But you know, uh, grinding out it, it, it was like grinding out an RPG character. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Level one. Yeah. One dollar. And it was a, and I had the action set. That was the Zapper, uh, the two controllers, and Mario Duck Hunt. But uh, yeah, Union Hall. What made that place really special too was the Halloween display. I know I've mentioned it yes. before. They had like that. They had all those awesome masks and uh, big old candy displays. 
you just don't get that in today's chain stores. You, like you could in a local, like a local hub department store. You know, that's something that I think that America could really bounce back on someday. You know, now that we're doing more of a shift towards online, online stuff, maybe you could take some more pride in like local gigs like the Tomorrow's Yesterday's. You know, visiting uh, St. Louis for Reyes, you know, you've always said that you can't really find another store like that out there in uh, St. Louis. And I don't know, Jay, Matthew, if you found anything even remotely close to nothing, no, nothing like that. Uh, no, not really. No, I, I have to say we're pretty currently spoiled with some good game stores in the area. I mean, yeah. you've got Top Cut, you've got Cataclysm Games on the other side of town, which is, I think, phenomenal. We had a gaming goat for a while. And we're going to get really another good. one be coming back and then there used to be this uh place in town over in loves park for a few years that unfortunately closed us long ago called black dog games which was really good too i took mad in there a couple times yeah and and it was <laughs> yeah that was actually fun because <laughs> it was just a it was a random night i remember that you're like hey uh, i heard there's this place you want to check it out sure i've got nothing else to do and we go in there, and there's those two guys, and they're playing, I think it's Warhammer or something. There was a bunch of people. And, like, they had, like, four. So they had, like, these massive. It was it was a big Warhammer store. Yeah. Like, that was their bread and butter. Then they had a lot of other games. And they had, like, several just big tables that people could just come in and play games. So it was a bunch of people playing Warhammer. But there was I, there was a group playing um, Alien card game. Why can't I think of it right now? Same one that does little Big Trouble in Little China and Marvel oh, um, Encounters. Uh, Legendary Encounters. Legendary, yeah. yeah, so there was a group of people playing Legendary Alien. Uh, but yeah, they just, they'd have people in there playing games. People would be in there painting minis. The owner would always just come up and like shoot the shit with you and say, you know, what are you looking for? What can I help you with? You want me to open up a game so you can take a look at it? And see, what was really cool about that place was he had this bookshelf in the back, just games that people had brought in and donated. And you could just come in and play games. They weren't for purchase. They were just there to play, and there was probably like 40 or 50 of them. Yeah, Cataclysm yeah. does. Catac- well, they don't do it right now because of, you know, Rona, uh, but they uh, they have that as well in the back room. Uh, when mm-hmm. Hopefully they, we get back to that and they, when they open back yeah. up. I, there's I a mean, couple I think- shops here. They'll do that, but, like, there's not one – like, there's not a TSY here, but give the fancy shop, which is really, the you know, the comic side of that, but then, like, Game Night does that. It's – Really, a bunch of tables, games that you can play. Um, you sit down. There's always someone playing Warhammer or whatever. Um, so here, you know, our games are our shops are a little bit more specialized. I think Rockford has an advantage where they've got a couple of them that are pretty, you know, eclectic, where it covers a little bit of everything. Whereas St. Louis is a little bit more specialized. So, yeah, well, Jeff, you mentioned too Toad Hall. Like that's just store has been around for like 50 years, but that is a, I think eclectic is a great word to describe that store it's just use books use comic books they got board games in there but it's just a house that they turned into a, a store and it, it literally looks like a hoarder lives there <laughs> it's, just, it's literally you walk in and it's just like it's not even bookshelves it's just stacks of books and boxes of comic books and boxes of magazines and like on top of shelves are like board games and you literally have to step over stuff as you walk through there and then there's an upstairs and a basement that are the exact same way. But, I mean, you can just find some cool things there that you, you're not going to find anywhere else. Yeah. I have to say, I don't know if I've ever actually been in that store. 
I've been by okay, it, but I've, I've never been in it. I've seen the sign. People talked about it. Next time but... you're in town, Ray. Next time you're in town, we're taking a trip. Okay, it's, cool. I want it to works go. For me. It's worth it. No. It's a cool store. Yeah. So so rapid fire, really quick, and you guys can jump in on this as well. But uh, just yeah, you know, some honorable mentions, right? Um, as far... What's that? Nice. <laughs> so yeah, some some honorable mentions of stores that no longer exist anymore. So um uh in town Bookworld, they had a legit comic section. That's where I got a lot of that stuff. Uh back when I was a kid, my mom worked at the craft world. There's a lot of worlds apparently in that in that strip mall. Uh but she would work next next door and sometimes I'd have to go to work with her for whatever reason. And I'd go next door to Bookworld and peruse things. And that's actually where I bought uh, my first uh, Wolverine. Actually, it was my first comic. It was a Wolverine 67. Um, uh, I bought that at the at the uh, Bookworld, which is pretty sweet. And then, um, so that's one. Then also uh, another bookstore, Borders. You know, may they rest in peace. My favorite uh, bookstore. Uh, it was great. I mean, they had a great role-playing section um, for sure. And I bought a lot of uh, uh, World of Darkness books there um, and spent a lot of time there. And, you know, a, a great store. Kind of like a – Were you guys more uh, – were you guys more Barnes & Noble or were you more Borders? Borders. Borders. For sure. I loved Borders. Um, b- borders, it, borders died because they didn't get into the tablet market on time is what it came down to. Oh, this is going to sound weird, but – Here's why I loved Borders. Because we had a show with oh, John yeah. there. <laughs> they have a, a musical show there. But you know that episode of Seinfeld where they go to the video store and Elaine like falls in love with the clerk because she likes all his movie picks? That was the difference for me at Borders. Like anytime I went in there and I would go into like the sci-fi section, they would always have like some like employee picks of books each month. They would change yeah. out always ones i loved i don't know what it was but every time i found books there that i just fell in love with so i was like i'm just going to keep coming to borders and checking this employee section because they're putting out books i like yeah yeah and 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 really what one of the other reasons i like borders is it was a it wasn't as grand as media play but it it had a little bit of the feel to it because they had you yeah. know they had books they had movies they had music um it was just in a much more condensed area and they also had their chairs set around, so you can just go in, pick up a book, chill out in the chair, did, buy a coffee. We a, didn't we do a fantasy football draft there one year? <sighs> I did a lot of reports there when I was finishing up yeah. college, but I don't think I don't think we had a fantasy football draft know. there. It's possible. It, Shoot, it was really early, like like. Uh, I thought we had them at your house. <laughs> I did have that coffee shop and like little dining area yeah. in there where you could sit and converse. Yeah, it was it was a And was it did they was it that they had Starbucks before uh Barnes and Noble put in their fake Starbucks? No, no, it wasn't was Starbucks. It, it actually wasn't Starbucks. Oh, no, that, they were Joe uh Joe Coffee or something like that, weren't they at Borders? I can't I can't I remember. remember. Was, yeah, they all had their own little coffee shop, but um, but that, yeah. I do admit the the Borders one is definitely better than the the fake uh, yeah uh, Starbucks and Barnes and Nobles right now the same fake ones that are in like Target. But yeah, that was that that's an honorable honorable mention back in the day. Ben Franklin. Oh man, Ben Franklin. Yeah, He's used to get, see that's not gone, just gone from where you guys live. Well, you come down here and go a little bit further south. Ben Franklin's are still around somewhere. I've seen them uh, recently. Couple spots for me personally. Uh, uh, the Circus World, aka oh, yeah. what eventually became KB Toys. Yes, yes. Over at 
I bought a lot of Atari uh, games from there back in the day. Yeah, it's, uh, it's where I got my copy of Mega Man X for 10 bucks one year. Nice. So that was uh, pretty sweet. Um, also, uh, a lot of people just, we haven't talked about it yet, but I don't really remember much about it, but Venture, that was another department. Yeah, you know, and, was, and, it, and it was kind of another one of those. Upscale. Ecle- yeah. but, it, but it still was a little eclectic. They still had weird yeah. sections of, and, I, and if I'm not mistaken, you could pick up uh, comics and video games there, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they had, they had electronic, like I said, they were they were the little bit more, you know, not like, not like, you know, Macy's upscale, but if you were to go Target, and this is pre-Walmart, um, but those Walmart kind of stores. Yeah, well, no, what I was saying is at that time Walmart wasn't around because it was Kmart. Everyone went to Kmart because that was where you get the best deals with the Blue Light Specials. But then it'd be Venture, you know, that was just a little bit more upscale, even though it was still the same products, but it was kind of like what Target did. It's like, you know, 10% more than what everyone else was because it was, you know, we want to bring that little bit more better shopping quality. But that's that's oh, what hurt yeah. Venture in the long run. So the people who want to pay one cent more on deodorant <laughs> to have, yeah. People, to, yeah, to not have well, people. It, of Walmart. Of course it wasn't that it was because <laughs> my mom would buy a shirt there and it would be, you know, 15, 20 bucks. And then we'd go to Kmart like a couple days later and be the same shirt for like eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we didn't go venture get, much. Yeah. So I don't want to get too far off topic, but just something that I've noticed because I've traveled a lot over the years, you know, to various locations to work and stuff. And he, there's, a certain kind of charm that came from these local big stores that you just don't see. Because if you go to other cities and towns, it's like everywhere you go, you see Lowe's, Home Depot, uh, Target, Walmart, you know. Those are the, no right. matter where you go, anywhere in the country, you see a bunch of those. Mm-hmm. But you don't really get, like, the Union Halls, the Ventures, or, you know, even the media place. But from what, from what right. I understand, though, Rockford was originally kind of a test park for that kind of stuff. At least. For a lot of state, a lot of places. Yeah, because there's another one, um, American. American Ooh. and Madison was the first one. Rockford finally got one, and then they tried to expand out, but that didn't do well. But I remember that's where we got our first home computer was American and Madison, and that was like an all-day trip. Drive to Madison. Okay. I remember, that I remember doing the same thing, Ray. Yeah. Circuit yep. City. You walk Circuit in City. And, so. Sorry, I had to throw it out there before I forgot. Yeah. Circuit City was I where tried, I bought my first I computer. I tried yeah. to like Circuit City. I couldn't do it. Well, guys, I had to mention just one more honorable mention. Go for it. it. Just Bob's Hardware. <laughs> oh, I love Bob's. Oh, Bob's yeah. Surprise. I did, I did. Bob's a Hardware. Of, a lot of bicycle trips to Bob's or down to Osco and the video store. Oh, um, yeah. Unfortunately for me, it wasn't it wasn't comic books that way. That's why I didn't bring those up because for me, that was, that was time for baseball cards. Yeah, I mean, even that, was, having, well, that was what I was spending my money on. Even having two locations in town meant that you were big stuff back in the day. But I think Bob's, oh, yeah. Hardware, Bob's Hardware is one of those stores that had two locations. Union Hall had two locations. And uh, you, you think of them as big. They were the chain stores in your head as a kid. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, are we, who else are we forgetting, guys? Yeah, any, more, honor, any more honorable mentions? With merchandise? Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. Because Case was another big video game store. I bought my first DVD again, player from there. <laughs> yep. Again, they were that that higher end electronic store, so you could get a little bit better selection. Uh, but again, it was a higher end, so it wasn't like, oh, I've got ten bucks, I'm going to Case Merchandise. No, it was 
50 bucks. Let's go to Case Merchandise so I get that one game I've been looking for or that one piece of electronic. If you get the Enigma called Radio Shack, then you can't Radio Shack. Radio Shack. Never knew what they oh, wanted to man. be. man. They, they were but interesting. There are two things that I remember about Radio Shack. Number one was uh, my parents got one of those Tandy computers back in the day. Yeah. Basic. It was one of my first experiences with video games. And then one time I saw a gray version of the Transformer Shockwave. You know, they like the. Uh, yeah, they had random toys in there. Yeah. So that's weird. Yeah, oh, man, that's a, that's good. Well, and then I, I know we talked about it earlier, but Clark's Comics. Um, I, I mean, I don't I don't know if we said whether or not they were closed or not, but uh, they they did close. And it was it was a oh, man, I remember uh, uh, Ryan bought went down there and he I think he bought boxes of comics and when they were closing because they were kind of just having a clearance sale it, it was it was him or one of the other kids I can't remember Ryan from Jakar Ryan yeah Ryan from Jakar Ryan it was it was him or, okay. or some it was it was somebody in that group where is how old were you when, when Clark's opened up because you're a lot oh, yeah it was right down the street um because it was right there uh by the the place that everyone in that side of Rockford got their hair, their kids haircut. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't remember, dude, I don't, I don't remember it opening. I just remember it being there. Yeah. That, that's, that was, I think that, I was in middle school. So as you guys are all one year ahead of me, so it would have been like 92, 93. It was before I had a driver's license. I know that because my mom would have to I mean, They were only open like maybe two years. It was oh, no. They were open longer than that. No. Yeah. They were open yeah, longer than that because I was, a, I was a, like 20 when they closed. Oh, on Harrison? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they weren't open that long at all. Oh, I think they were open longer too. I had to go with the yeah. other guys. They were. They moved? Yeah. Well, so, so here's the fun, here's a fun story. So, you know, I, I said that we, we lived by them, uh, grow, you know, in my early years. Uh, my mom, uh, a, what, the club that she belongs to, um, the, uh, the, she's part of the auxiliary, whatever. My, uh, the, the mother of the, I can't remember, to be fair, I can't remember her name. It was always Mrs. Clark. Um, but she uh, is there as well. And my mom talks to her very frequently. So uh, I asked my mom, she, I have not gotten back to her. I asked her like a week or two ago if she, if she would ask uh, if I could have her number and possibly have her on for an interview, because that would be awesome. And I'm not sure. Oh, I don't know what that is. Um, but <laughs> I don't either. But we'll talk about that after the show. Yeah, but um, again, you know, it's one of those things. Like, you know, uh, the at the end of every single one of these podcasts, you know, uh, myself, Radis, whoever, you know, we 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 plug a couple of places, right? That's just one of our things. And really, this is kind of like a, a great big plug for the the, the stores of old uh, that we you know that we mourn their lo- we mourn their losses or at least uh, you know the the memories of, of what we what we did there. Uh, but it, it's one of those things for the for the listeners out there. I don't judge anyone for ordering stuff on Amazon or, or online or something. It's convenient. Nope. A lot of times, it's cheaper. It makes sense. However, um, I do still say support your brick and mortars. Uh, go to those stores. It's it's a different experience. You know, you go in there, you might see something that you didn't think you would see before. Um, I'm I'm always of the mind too. Like you know, if if I get an experience from going to one of these stores, I don't care if I spend an extra dollar or two on a board game instead of ordering it online. 
I mean, I'd almost prefer to buy it from one of those places because again, you know, we have the conversations every time I go to, and this is going to keep me from plugging it in the end. Every time I go to top cut, uh, you know, and, and, and my daughter comes with me now, uh, occasionally, you know, we get her a comic and some, and some Pokemon cards just this last weekend. We went there with, uh, with uh, big Papa Stace and, and Radis. And what did they do? The thing I said every time, like she went there, she got her card. They were talking to her. You know, they were asking her, like, what's her favorite Pokemon? You know, uh, they uh, they asked her what her – because she she was saying she got uh, – that uh, actually, uh, Mad Marty bought her for her birthday. Uh, the, the It's not the board game, but it's like the Battle Pack starter set, which has, like, three different decks in it that they can play. And she's like, what's your favorite deck? My daughter says Mewtwo. And then, you know, they talked and talked. And then gave her like a promo card. And, and it, again, so that's my daughter having great experiences in there and just and having a great time. And uh, Big Papa Stace on her way out of there, he was just like, I mean, he didn't even buy anything. And he was just beaming because he just had a great time watching that interaction. So, yeah, it's it's one of those things. Support your brick and mortars. Um, Cataclysm in town. Top Cut in town. Any of these other places. Toad Hall in town. I mean, hey, if you like that place, go there. Support yeah. it. Our buddy Otavio keeps the tradition alive through NSB Comics. Yep, exactly. Uh, he goes in a more limited capacity, but he does the, like you were saying earlier, Jay, with the uh, Masters of the Universe and uh, uh, old uh, Transformer toys or whatever he can get his hands on, Ninja Turtles, that sort of thing, and just tons and tons of comics. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does, he does a combination of actually running the store on occasion, and I think they're still open right now, but I know he's been concentrating more on uh, local shows, well, quasi-local. Yeah. So he'll be in Milwaukee and uh, Davenport, Iowa one week, you know, and it, he's, he's, his, his travel schedule is really unpredictable. But, you know, I have kinda... to him. He's he's just hustling with that. Like, he's, yeah. he's at a different convention every weekend, or he's out, like, finding things to buy, to t- turn around and sell in the store, like pretty impressive how like hard he's working at that yeah yeah he he loves it you know you know i love working i love working the booth with him you know that's where i get my he pays me in action figures you know like mr sinister and uh, <laughs> the question that's... you know it's uh you report uh, that to the irs yeah you do <laughs> <laughs> it's all yeah. recorded now too um so kind of in closing uh does anybody have a final thought like a, a memory or some some you know, fun thing at one of these stores or any stores we haven't mentioned. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's, I don't really hit it's a ton of memories. We could talk this forever, but I think one of the sad things about it is we're talking about this now, about all these great stores and definitely support your brick and mortars. You know, if you look at it from now, 20 years from now, it, it just isn't as cool to be like, yeah, look at this cool action figure. I got, Oh, cool. Where'd you get that? Amazon. You know, instead of walking in, it's like, eBay. dude, I walked into this store. Yeah, I dug through it and found this. It's like, you know, me and a buddy walked into this comic book store. Heck, walked into Target or whatever, and didn't realize what it, what you know, what I was finding there. And you come out of it with a, a rare comic book. Um, just that that experience is becoming less and less. And I'm not even talking COVID. I'm just talking since 2000, losing so many of these stores to online that I just I. Parts of me are just kind of slowly dying. It's like, you know, I miss walking into media play and just that feel. You can walk into media play yesterday or walked into TSY yesterday, walk into it today, and you get that same feeling. Like, you know what? 
wonder what's over here. Let's go, let's go down this aisle. It's like, well, you search that aisle for an hour. It's like, yeah, but you never know. Mm-hmm. And it never fails you. You go down that aisle and all of a sudden you're like, I didn't see this last week or yesterday. It's like, oh, what is this? You know, and you'll find that rare, you know, 10, 20, 30, 60, hundred dollar buy that you didn't see last time. Do you guys see kind of like a resurgence coming for specialty stores at all? I would like to say yes, um, but I don't think so. Because even like we were just talking about, um, we, we we're possibly getting uh, the gaming goat back in town. Um, but the gaming goat is a Nash is an international chain. So um, although the feel of it's at least when we had it here before was was uh, very very comfortable and the people were great who ran it and everything. Um, it's it's still different, you know. It's for them, it's streamlined. It's cards and games, right? Like like the 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 top cut, right? You go in there, it's comics, it's cards, it's games, it's miniatures. They do have some miniatures for certain games in there, like the Star Wars ones. It's role playing, you know. It's it's tchotchkes, knickknack shirts. You know, it's like it's it, it is still it's very well organized compared to what it used to be, but it's still kind of eclectic and great. Um, but you know, when you're talking about the, you know, the, the chains, it's just a little different, you know, tell you what, tell you what, tell you what, I'll I'll just say it this way. You know, for any of you listeners out there, I'm just tossing this out there as a thought. Maybe the listeners will agree with me. Maybe they won't, but I think, uh, people in general love local icon way. They they like something that they can identify that's unique. You know, whether it be like the local Union Hall or the big Sparkle Donuts guy over on 11th Street. Doughboys. <laughs> right. You know, that, and that's yep. the one thing that the local businesses can always kind of clamor to that the Walmarts, the Targets, the Home Depots and stuff just can't get the same kind of flavor. So, you sure. know, and, you know, Top Cut, you know, God bless them. You know, they've been able to hang on for the last 40 years or however long it's been. If you include so the T as well, yeah. But, uh, yeah. you know, going back <laughs> to your question, Matthew, though, my biggest my biggest memory, once again, kind of going back to what Jay was saying, the cage. Yep, the cage. <laughs> it, it, all, it all boils back to the cage at, to- at Toys R Us. Jason couldn't have said it any better. <laughs> so yep. it's just like, oh. Going back to your point, though, like when we look at like some of these local hobby shops and game shops and stores, I think the ones that can adapt and expand their business model, the ones that are still hanging out and are thriving and are going to survive because a part of it is like that's a unique hobby that there has to be some personal interaction in. You have to be able to go in and like you're not going to buy all your games online because you want to go in and talk about games. You want to find out how games play and, and, and components to games. And, you know, if you're into games that have minis, you need to be able to get uh, t- to talk to other people that do minis and, and talk about tips and techniques. So being able to offer those things that online can't always offer. And then, you know, you look at like Cataclysm and Top Cut, and one of the reasons they've been able to survive so well is they've also, outside of just selling things, they've expanded into gameplay and tournaments and uh, online orders and, and doing different things on uh, YouTube and bringing in different personalities. So like Cataclysm will try to bring in a professional painters sometimes that like have successful YouTube channels for minis and do clinics. And then when you do a clinic, you're also buying a mini, you're buying paint, you're buying brushes, 
you know, and then you're offering a service. And I was talking, I was at Cataclysm a couple of weeks ago because I was talking to him about getting into more miniature painting and the clinic they did was eight hours. So they had 30 people in their store that paid whatever amount it was to come in and they spent eight hours in their store painting minis with a professional painter. That's kind of awesome, and, actually. Know, Amazon can't offer yeah. that, you know. Not yet. Right. I get it. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's, well, a, niche, that's a niche yeah. market and you've got to do more than that. But the, the stores that can start to look and do those other things are the ones that are going to thrive. Yeah, I agree yeah, with that. And, and they have to do that. Um, I'm going to throw myself under the bus here because this is I'm not really proud of this, but I know I've walked into a local gaming shop to look for a board game. Um, and I'll, be, I'll pick the game on maybe $65, which is not an unheard amount of, of money. But then I jump and I check two online places. Now, I have an advantage of one of the online places is another store that's here in St. Louis that's a huge online. And if it's $15 cheaper, I'm not buying it at that store. You know, unless it's a game, you know, if it's $5 cheaper, I get it from Amazon. It's like, okay, I'm still going to buy it here because I have it tonight. But, you know, that store, I'll go in that store because they do offer other things than just that board game like like jason was saying so those kind of shops are going to strive but it's a hard market for them because like i said unless you're going in to buy that game to play that night amazon two-day shipping you buy the game on tuesday you'll have it for a friday night game and there's a lot of that times you can go on there and if it's a if it's a standard board game that you can find anywhere you're going to find it for ten dollars cheaper or a miniature market like i said i have the advantage of it being local is going to be ten dollars cheaper because they sell in such in mass whereas some of the smaller ones don't do as much online so they really need to draw you into the store to buy so disregard everything he said never look online okay no that's why i said i threw myself under the bus because you know i like the shop i walked into and i do purchase up there but there are just sometimes when i hit that you know certain price threshold where it's like okay can i get this for 15 20 dollars cheaper and then I'll buy something else with, you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to save 20 bucks on the board game. So I'll buy $20 of magic cards instead which, here and then get the board game. The other which place. is one of the reasons I love so. Cataclysm so much because every single board game they have is already discounted when you walk in. Kind of yeah. echoing what Radis and Jay said, though. Um, one thing that kind of gets me over that whole, you know, $5 more, $10 more, even $15 more is if in my head psychologically, a store is established as a hub for some specific thing I'm looking for. Because that's what steers me to online more than anything else. If I can't think of a place to grab it at, you know, like I need like this knickknack. Well, I can't think of any, you know, like I bought that moving cart recently. I can't think of any stores to buy it at. So I go on Amazon, I find it. But on the other hand, if I think of a place as like a hub for something else, I'll give you an example, Top Cut Comics, role-playing dice. Could I buy a role-playing dice online? Absolutely. But for yes, me, but if you're a true role player, you don't buy your dice until you've picked them up at least once. <laughs> you, you have to, if like, you do, you have to you roll them a little a bit. not a true role player. <laughs> exactly. It, it's like the equivalent of, like of buying a gun. You know, you, you go to the glass counter at, uh, at Top Cut and you start picking through the wares, you know. You, you know, the styles, the colors, you know. It's like, but Top Cut is that hub. You know, when when I think of like, let's say if World of Darkness was still going on right now, if I felt like picking up something World of Darkness, I wouldn't go online necessarily. I'd go down to Top Cut, you know, and 
if I can identify with this place as a hub for a specific thing, you know, I might not care about that additional five, ten bucks anymore. Because for some reason, psychologically, in my head, it's more convenient to go to Top Cut to get what yeah, I want. Um, I get I mean, that. And this, I don't want to batch on this, but, you know, you're... You're a little bit more of a casual, like if you look at compare, and I don't even compare to what Paul has for video for board games, but oh, when you're Paul. you're talking of yeah, if you're talking, you know, you're spending five or ten dollars on dice, so it's like okay, yeah, you might be able to get them for you know five or eight dollars online, but when you look at a board game, and I kickstarted a board game again, can't compare to Paul, but I spent two hundred eighty dollars on a Kickstarter game. I still don't have it. I paid for it last year. As soon as it's done, it comes to me. So. Saving a $15 purchasing another board game adds up when you're going, okay, I've spent $300 in the last three months on four or five board games. If each one of those I get for 10 or $15 cheaper, that's mm -hmm. another board game. So there is an aspect to that, which again, I'm not promoting because, you know, those smaller shops, if they go away, that Amazon price is going to go up. So, and then Ooh, now you're going to pay yeah. the 80 bucks from Amazon to, and then another 10 to get it shipped. And then you don't have somewhere to go to talk to somebody about miniatures or or CCGs or even it's just like, hey, I really like this board game. Want something new? What do you recommend? You know, I don't want to spend a hundred bucks. I want to spend fifteen bucks. Is there something that I can pick up to kind of change the pace up? Yep. So cool. All right. So I think we've pretty much wrapped this guy up. Any, so, anybody yeah. ha anybody have any plugs other than the stores that we've talked about? Marty? Uh, no, I mean, I've, already, I've already plugged uh, Tavio's MSB Comics, GQ Sports. Okay. But also, I try to do a little bit of coverage on that on my YouTube channel, Mad Respect TV. I got a couple more game reviews planned, and I'm doing a couple other zany things. Zany? Uh, yeah, you know, I do silly videos sometimes. I try to keep it fun, and I try to promote this, uh, this uh, podcast on the channel as well. So, uh, yeah, just, again, once again, Mad Respect TV on YouTube, and uh, take it away. Cool. What you got, Jay? Anything? Uh, just if you haven't checked out Matt Colville's channel on YouTube or MCDM, both, uh, I enjoy both those channels quite a bit. So uh, very much focused around D&D &D and some other just general gaming and geek stuff. But I, I just really enjoy his channel a lot. And then MCDM is the... Uh, D&D live stream that they do. So uh, just really good storytelling, I think. It's it's uh, the Chain of Akron's been a really fun campaign to listen to and kind of get into. So check them out. Radis, what do you got? Uh, well, we got all the stores. Um, I'll, they don't need the promotion, but I'm going to throw it out there. If, if, though with Jason's channels, also listen to Critical Role. Um, I think they do a fantastic job. Um, I think they've had a little bit of a, an advantage with them all being professional voice actors. But uh, I, I really find myself waiting for Thursdays to listen to the podcast that they put out for the week before. Um, and then, of course, you have us. We're the Game Files podcast. Um, obviously, you can find us on any podcast service out there that you that you get it. You know, Podbean, iTunes, uh, Pandora, and Spotify, I believe, are on Google. now. Google. Um, We're pretty us. much everywhere. Yep. Uh, you can find like us at the infection. Game Files podcast Facebook group. Uh, we have a public group now. It's up and running. Very family friendly. I've already had to boot two bots that are trying to sell stuff on there. So we are, I'm trying to monitor that to make sure that it's actually people in there to talk and not like every other Facebook group. Um, you also find us on Twitter and on Instagram at, at the game files PC. 
that's what I've got. And then you can also reach us at the Game Files Podcast at gmail.com. I'd like to thank my guests. We'll go with Jay first. Thank you for coming. You're welcome. Goodbye, Internet. All right. And Marty, glad having you. Glad to be here. And, of course, the ever-present Radis. Yep, it's great to be here, and especially when you have great guests and a great topic. All right. And I'm Matthew, and this has been the Game Files Podcast. Y'all have a good night. Take care. Peace. You couldn't get enough of it. You ate Nintendo. You drank Nintendo. You slept Nintendo. Now Toys R Us has two hot games for Super Nintendo. Capcom Street Fighter 2 and Nintendo's Mario Paint, where you can draw, paint, and even compose music. Check them out at Toys R Us, the biggest video game store in the world. So now you can breathe Nintendo, love Nintendo, be Nintendo at Toys R Us. At Media Play, we carry more than 60,000 music titles, from the latest hits to all your favorites from way back. We're filled to the rafters with books, more than 40,000 titles, bestsellers, classics, and kids' books. There are rows and rows of movies, 15,000 to choose from, plus all the latest software and games. You'll find entertaining gifts for everyone on your holiday list at Media Play, your entertainment superstore. Sky rockets in flight. Whoop. <laughs> Afternoon delight. Hang on. <laughs>